Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you'll be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. We're reading from the book of Judges, the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter 11. Judges chapter 11 and verse number 29. The 11th chapter of the book of Judges, verse number 29. says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, He passed over Gilead and Manasseh, passed over Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he passed over unto the children of Ammon. Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon unto my hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Verse number 34, Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, Thou hast brought me very low, for thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot, somebody say, I cannot, open my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. And I preach today from this subject, I cannot go back. I cannot go back. Would you ask the Lord to help us now? Jesus, I'm asking you in the next little while, God, that you'd help us in being able to deliver the Word of God, the preaching, dear God, here today, that hearts would be touched and lives would be impacted. And God, through the breaking of the bread of life, that your intended work would be done and your design accomplished. Now, Lord, we need your help. We can do nothing without you. In your precious, wonderful name, we ask it. Would you lift your voice and your hands with me one more time? And can we give a sound of praise and worship to the Lord? One more time across this place, a glorious sound and expression of worship unto Jesus Christ. Oh, can we do it joyfully unto the Lord with a great sound of joy. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. And you may be seated. God bless you. The story of Jephthah is probably one of the most intriguing stories of Scripture. It has a tendency to create a certain amount of empathy for an outcast who is the main character of the story, while simultaneously it sets us in a seat of judgment over a what might be considered a rash vow that was made. Understand that Jephthah was uh, an illegitimate son. He was born from his father's illicit affair with a harlot, 
And because of this stigma that now is attached to Jephthah, his mother and his, his stepmom and his brothers thrust him out of the family, refusing for him to live in that household. They thrust him out and he moves to a place called Tob. It's while in this particular land that Jephthah learns the sense of survival. It's here that he gathers unto him men who was of the poorest of the poor, who were destitute in not only finances but even in morals. Scripture would refer to them as being morally bankrupt. And he forms a gang of men that becomes uh, a gang to be feared. One that was not to be trifled with and if crossed you would have to reckon with this great band of men that Jephthah has now put together. They have gained such notoriety and such prominence in the land as being those that needed to be feared that in his home from which that he had been thrust out they were in a dire strait. The children of Ammon had come against them and the enemy was wishing to conquer their land and they had no place else to go. They had no place else to turn. There was no resources at their fingertips and so this one that they have thrust out they now turn to him and they invite Jephthah and his gang of men to return and to fight against the Ammonites and win a victory for a family that has treated Jephthah so very cruelly. It's at this point of the story that it is revealed to us that evidently in these intervening years where Jephthah has been cast out of his family and he's been made virtually a nomad in the land of Tob and he has become a leader of this notorious gang that in the midst of all of this evidently Jephthah had made some kind of a connection with God. Somehow or another, Jephthah, in the midst of this survival instinct that he's now thrust into, he's, he's learned how to reach out and get a hold of God. He's learned how to reach out and depend upon God. For Scripture reveals to us on various occasions in this remarkable story that Jephthah did indeed have a connection with God. For it is at the time that they've come and asked Jephthah for help. Will you come and help us fight the enemy called Ammon? Will you come and win for us a victory that that Jephthah looks at his family and he says, I want you to understand. I know that my gang has notoriety and I know that we are a mob to be reckoned with and I know that we are a group to be feared, but understand that this that you are asking us to do cannot be accomplished unless God gives us the victory. If God doesn't help us, we're not going to get any help. And so I just want you to understand, it's not my skill in warfare. It's not the fact that I've built such, such a, a notoriety as being such a fearless band of men. But we will depend upon God to give us 
the victory. It's when finally they come to the terms for the agreement between now his once family that has cast him out and his band of men that he leads. They do it in a place called Mizba. And he says, I want you to understand we're entering into a contract one with the other. And we're going to do this before the Lord. We're going to make this agreement between you and me that God is going to give us victory. And we're going to do it with a ceremony before the Lord. Evidently this connection that Jephthah has created between him and God is not just isolated to two or three passages in this remarkable story. But when the writer of the book of Hebrews chapter 11 picks up his pen and touches it to the parchment to write of those great heroes of faith that he'll write about such as Abel and and, and Moses, Noah, Abraham and many others that he will talk about in that fame chapter as he comes to the end of that 11th chapter he will write down the name from the 11th chapter of the book of Judges and he'll put it in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews and he said time would fail me about the faith that Jephthah exhibited in the time of need. And so Jephthah has not only a remarkable band of men, but he has a remarkable faith that rises to an incredible level that centuries later, when the biblical writer is writing the story of those ancient patriarchs, he'll put down the name Jephthah as being a man of faith. What it tells me is simply this, is that my origin needs not to interfere with what God can do in my life. Where I come from, the fact of my humble beginnings, the fact that I may not have had it all together in the beginning does not have to hinder what God is able to do. The fact that I might be needing validation and there's none to give me that validation, it does not mean that the Spirit of God cannot come upon me and bless me and help me. Let me just pause here for a moment on this Sunday morning to tell you there's no reason why God cannot use you. There is no reason why God cannot put His hand on your life. There is no reason why God cannot do great and mighty exploits and miracles through you. There is no incident in your past. There is no event in your yesterday. There is no story in your life that can prohibit what God can do. If you can ever make a connection with God, God's able to look beyond the things that were not right and give you a brand new future in Christ Jesus. Is anybody glad that old things can be passed away and all things can become new in the Lord? But this is where the story of Jephthah becomes very very riveting and probably where most scholars and theologians would focus their attention because in Jephthah's connection with God and in his consecration and in his ability and his willingness to lean upon God and in his desire to not go it alone and not do it in his own might but to trust in God Jephthah 
makes a vow unto God. In Judges chapter 11 and verse number 30, Scripture says that he vowed a vow unto the Lord. And this is the vow that he made. He said, if thou wilt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, then shall it be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering in this moment of attempting to get God's attention in this moment of attempting to put himself in a place where he was trying to let God know that I need your help above and beyond all things in this when he's trying to lean not to his flesh but he's trying to lean upon God with all of his heart he makes a vow unto God and says God I tell you what I'll do if I can come back from this battle in victory if I come back the, 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 the winner of this little scrimmage that I'm in he said the first thing that comes out of the door of my house I'll offer it as a sacrifice and a burnt offering unto the Lord. Now it's impossible for us from the 21st century to get into the mind of Jephthah to know what he was thinking in that moment when he's attempting to get God's attention. In that moment when he's trying to make a connection. In a moment when he's trying to say, God, I can't win this battle without you. I can't do it on my own. It's impossible to get into the mind of Jephthah to know what he's thinking. Some have tried and they've pondered that maybe, maybe Jephthah was thinking that an animal, yes indeed an animal, maybe it would be an animal that would come darting out that front door hearing the noise and the distance and coming out to see what the commotion was and surely that would be what that he was offering or others have surmised as they tried to probe the mind of Jephthah in this moment of his consecration and dedication that maybe he thought that it was a lowly servant that might somehow another walk out the door and welcome him home and that it would be he would be able to offer him as a sacrifice. He never imagined, I'm sure, it never crossed his mind. It never tiptoed across the corridors of his thinking that it would be his daughter that would come darting out that front door the day that he came back victorious from his battle. Now ladies and gentlemen, on this Sunday morning, let me just take you for a moment into the pond of scholars and theologians looking at this very unique story from the Old Testament as they have pondered it. Many have called it a reckless vow. A vow that was rash that should not have been made and others have tried to put it into the category of even being immoral. Something that would violate the very commandments of God to offer a human sacrifice unto the Lord. And so the label of rash and reckless and immoral has been pinned 
upon this particular vow that Jephthah should never have made it. And God would not have expected him to have honored that vow because it was a rash vow and it was a reckless vow and it was a vow that undoubtedly could be considered immoral. So why would God expect him? I would take you into consideration this morning that maybe the point of the story has been overlooked and maybe we've missed it by pinning such words of rash and reckless and immoral on this story. Maybe it very possibly could be that the story is conveying to us uh, that the victory that is needed is worth whatever price uh, that it cost. Maybe it is very possible this morning that the story is trying to convey to us that there comes a point in our life when our need is so great that it doesn't matter the price that must be paid that sometimes you have to consider I need a victory so bad and I need a win so bad and I need an answer so bad and I'm facing an enemy that's staring me down and I need a little validation in my life so bad that I'm willing to pay whatever price that I've got to pay to get the victory because the victory has got to outweigh the cost that is involved. Ladies and gentlemen, we have too long wanted victory too cheap. We have too long wanted answers without cost. We have too long wanted God to intervene in our life, validating us, causing us to rise up in some place of supremacy. But we want to do it without any cost and without any commitment. If you're ever going to make a connection with God, if you're ever going to come into the place where your name's included in the 11th chapter the book of Hebrews of being a man of faith somewhere uh, the cost has got to become something that is lost sight of inside of the tremendous victory that I need in my life is there anybody on this Sunday morning you got to have a victory more than you got to have anything else in your life is there anybody here in this building I got to have a victory in my home I got to have a victory in my family I got to have a victory in my life and I need it more than anything else in all of the world and it just doesn't matter what it costs me if I need a victory. Because you see the human mind will always weigh the cost and the human mind will never understand the price that is paid to achieve a victory. The human mind will never understand the price that is involved. The human mind will always tell you that the cost is greater than, than what you're trying to achieve. The human mind will always tell you it's reckless and it's rash and that it's immoral. The human mind will always tell you you don't need to go there. The human mind will always tell you God doesn't require that. The human mind will always tell you uh, that that's too far to go in a walk with God. Uh, But today I'm pushing aside my human mind. I'm pushing aside my human understanding uh, because there's a need so great in my life right now. I've got to have a victory and I'm willing uh, to make uh, the commitment uh, to get it. Understand that we're not talking about earning salvation. Let's just pause for a moment here today. You cannot earn salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You can't climb the highest mountain long enough and fast enough to get salvation in your life. 
You cannot claw, crawl on the most rugged terrain and come away with the bloodiest knees and the most cut up hands enough to win salvation. There is no way you can earn the favor of God in your life. There's only one way that salvation comes and that's to kneel at an old rugged cross and look up at that gift that's beyond human explanation and say, God, I repent of my sins. Forgive me of my wrong and to be buried in that wonderful life gift the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and to be filled with the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. There's only one way to gain salvation and that's through the unmerited favor of the grace of God and the wonderful love of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there comes a place in all of our lives. There comes a place in our walk with God. There comes a place in our journey. In our, in our attempt to make consecrations. In our attempt to make dedications. In our attempt to, 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 to let God know that we're selling out. That we make commitments to God. We make, we make pledges to God. And we say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to be what you want me to be. And I want you to use me. And I want you to put your hand on my life. And I want you to put your anointing on my soul. And it's in those moments uh, that we kneel at an altar. And maybe the tears cascade down our cheeks. As our shoulders convulse and we pray that deep prayer maybe between sobs and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. God, I'll turn loose of this. I'll walk away from that. I'll give this up, God. I'll surrender that to you, Lord. It's in that moment that we make those deep commitments to God that we gain an anointing and a touch that God cannot bring in any other way to our life. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about getting to a place where God begins to use us in a dimension that our minds can't even begin to imagine. I'm talking about getting to a place where God puts His hand upon us so strong and victories come and validation is placed that cannot come in any other way but in that moment of deep commitment and consecration unto God. It's this place that Jephthah finds himself and he's come back now. The victory has been given. The victory has been granted. The battle is over now and Ammon has been subdued. That which he set out to do has now been accomplished God has indeed given to him this great victory and as he makes his way back home from that front door comes his precious and only daughter, only child she comes coming out that door and she's dancing and she's, uh, she's twirling and she's excited to see dad come back home and she's excited about the news of victory and suddenly when he sees that precious little girl come out that front door, his heart grabs him and he realizes and he remembers in that moment in verse number 34 that when Jebza came to Mizpah unto his house and behold his 
his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and dances and she was his only child beside her. He had neither son nor daughter. It came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and he said, Last my daughter, thou hast brought me very low. Thou hast brought thou art unto me as one that troubled me. Suddenly he remembered the prayer that he prayed, the commitment that he made, and when he saw that precious girl come out of that door, he remembered that vow that he made unto God when he was trying to get God to give him some victory and when he was trying to get God to validate his life and when he was trying to get God to take him a little further than where he was at that he had made this commitment that whatever comes out of the door I'm going to offer it as a sacrifice unto the Lord. Now any reasonable person would say walk away. Any reasonable person would say throw your hands in the air. Any reasonable person would say the victory's been won. Why worry about the commitment? Any reasonable person would say we've already accomplished what God wants us to accomplish and so why pay my vows but what uh, what Jephthah said uh, when he looked at this moment he explains how he came to this costly moment in his life in verse number 35 uh, when he said I have opened my mouth unto the Lord in a moment where he felt pressured by the enemy in a moment where he felt the enemy upon his heels, in a moment where he felt that he was trapped, and in a moment where he felt like that, that he needed this sense of validation after having been an outcast for so long, he said, I opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I made a vow unto God. Does anybody understand that when you open your mouth unto God, God does things that otherwise cannot be done? When you open your mouth to the Lord. God cannot work through a closed mouth. But when you open your mouth unto the Lord. Things happen that cannot otherwise happen. Until you have opened your mouth unto God. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9. When he says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Understand, he's not talking about easy believism here. He's not talking about just idle words that are spoken that I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But when he writes in that 10th chapter of the book of Romans about confessing with the mouth that Jesus indeed is Lord, he's talking about from the standpoint of a day that when one confessed that Jesus was Lord it was literally pledging oneself to martyrdom when one confessed that Jesus Christ was Lord it was literally causing them to be excommunicated from the church isolated from their family set aside from everything that was around them in other words Paul said that when you open your mouth not only does salvation comes but a price comes with opening your mouth unto the Lord. Can I tell you our victory is waiting on the commitment of our mouth. And if we can ever open our mouth unto God, there will be victory like there has never been before. I believe in this building on this Sunday morning, God's waiting on somebody to open your mouth and say, Jesus is Lord.
Understand that if you ever make that confession that Jesus Christ indeed is the Lord of Lords and He alone is the only God, it may cost you your family, it may cost you your friends, but I'm telling you the victory is worth the commitment. Oh, I believe it here today. God's waiting on somebody in this building to open your mouth and say, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Oh, it'll cost you. It'll cost you position. You may be cast out because you believe that that name is the only saving name. But I'm here to tell you that the commitment is worth it because the victory is going to be great. Oh, I wish somebody would open your mouth on this Sunday morning and declare it. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one God and Father of all. That's through all and in you all. If you can ever open your mouth and make that commitment, the commitment is worth the price. Somebody ought to open your mouth unto the Lord right now. Somebody ought to open your mouth to the Lord right now. I'm facing... I'm facing an enemy. I'm facing an enemy. I need a victory, God. I'm being pushed. I feel like I'm an outcast. And God said, open your mouth. And if you'll open your mouth, I will give you the victory. Understand that it's always been this way. Jacob in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis chapter 28, he's running from his brother Esau. He feels his hot breath at his heels. Esau has vowed to kill Jacob and Jacob needs a victory. And so scripture tells us in verse number 20 of Genesis 28 that Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house, then shall the Lord be my God and this stone which I've set for a pillar shall be God's house and all that thou shalt give me I will surely give the tenth unto thee here he is he's got nothing but a stone for a pillow he's got hot breath of his angry brother at his heels he says God I need a victory right now and if you'll give me that victory you'll be my God and I'll give you a tenth of everything I got and God said I see that open mouth and I see that commitment and I'll bless you and I'll give you things that couldn't otherwise happen until you open your mouth I'm telling you there's victory waiting for somebody on this Sunday morning right now he's just waiting for someone to open your mouth and say God I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it I'll invest it I'll give it everything I got and if you'll open your mouth God will be your God no 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 now, don't, don't touch them. Don't touch them. But just look six feet away and say, No, 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 no. This is not a foxhole prayer. This is not a foxhole prayer. This is, this, 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 this is, this is not one of those emergency prayers that you pray in passing and it lacks sincerity and depth and you only pray to get out of the mess you're in for the moment. Oh, my, my, my. We've, we've had a lot of foxhole prayers, have we not? We've had a lot of foxhole prayers in that moment of urgency and that moment of emergency and, and that moment when the pressure was there. We said, God, if you will, I will. And then all of a sudden the fire's gone and, and all of the problems disappear and, and we, we bail out on God. 
We walk away. I read a little story here the other day of a woman long before 9-11, back when things were a little different on airplanes and meals were being served and real silverware was uh, being given with your meal on the plane that uh, she, uh, she looked over at the passenger beside of her and she said, I, I like this silverware. She said, I wonder, I wonder if the airline would mind if I took it with me. And uh, the lady said, well, I, I would think they would. I would think they would want it back. And she said, well, I think I'm going to take it. And she wrapped it up in a napkin and she shoved it in her purse. And uh, it wasn't long in the flight until some turbulence was hit. And I mean, that big old bird in the air was a shaking and a shivering, and it, it felt like it must have felt like it was going to come apart at the seams. And she reached down in her purse and she pulled out that napkin with that silverware in it, and she rolled, she pulled it out, and she put it back on the tray in front of her. And, and she's getting rid of that thing out of her purse. She wasn't about to take it with her, and all of a sudden the flight leveled out. Things became calm. She reached up and grabbed the silverware and stuck it back in her purse again. That's that's foxhole praying. That's emergency praying. I make commitments when I need something. I make commitments when I gotta have an answer. I make commitments when I need a provision. But when everything turns out and the victories come, how easy Jephthah could have said, you know what? Ammon is destroyed and I've come back in victory and I've got validation with my family. That was a rash vow. That was a reckless vow. That was a vow I should not have made. I did not think it through. I'm not going to keep that vow, but rather Jephthah made this statement in verse number 35 of Judges chapter 11. He said, I've opened my mouth unto the Lord and I cannot, somebody say I cannot, I cannot somebody say I cannot I've opened my mouth unto the Lord and I cannot go back I opened my mouth in commitment unto God when I felt the heat of the moment when I felt the moment of urgency, when I felt pressed on all sides when I felt like the world was falling apart and was even out from underneath me and I had nothing to grasp a hold of. I opened my mouth and I cannot go back on the Lord. I know it may seem a little foolish and I know it may seem a little irrational and I know it may seem a little reckless but I've made some commitments to God. I've made some pledges to God. I've made some vows to God and God's been good to me and God's blessed me and God's kept me and God's provided for me and God has seen me through and God's helped me and God's delivered me and God's brought me up and God's opened doors that wouldn't otherwise be open I've opened my mouth I cannot I cannot I cannot go back criticize me if you want to condemn me if you would like tell me God don't expect that tell me that God is not looking for that kind of value or that kind of commitment I'm sorry darling I've opened my mouth unto the Lord and I cannot I cannot go back I've opened my mouth to him and I cannot I cannot go back you see you don't understand you just don't understand 
when conviction was thick as a cloud, when the presence of God was so heavy, you could reach out and touch it. And I sat there in that service, and tears flowed down my cheek as God dealt with my heart. I opened my mouth and I made a vow and I made a commitment and I cannot go back. With my face buried in the carpet, with my shoulders heaving under the weight of the moment. I've been there. I've done that. I made a vow unto God. I opened my mouth. And I cannot go back. While pleading with God for solutions and answers. Crawling up underneath that table. Burying my face into the leg of that table. I opened my mouth. And I cannot, I cannot go back. I feel in this 21st century, and I come today, I come under the direction of the Holy Ghost to tell us that Satan would like to derail our commitments. And he would like to sideline our vows. And he would like to tell us it don't take all of that. And you don't have to do that. And that commitment, it's not valuable now. Just turn away from all of that. Can I tell you the devil's never told the truth a day in his life. And he won't tell the truth the rest of his life. He's trying to tell us that we can throw our commitments and our vows away. And we can walk away from them. And there's no big deal. I'd like to preach to some young man right now some mom some daddy some young lady in this building on this Sunday morning to tell you that the devil does not need to derail you from your commitments and your vows unto God if you ever lifted your voice and said God if you will I will it's time to stand and proclaim I cannot I cannot they may be going back on the left but I cannot go back they may go back on the right but I cannot go back they may be going back here and they may be going back there but I I cannot as for me in my house I just cannot go back just for me on this Sunday morning I don't know about you but I can't let the devil win this one I can't let the devil have the upper hand on this one in the time of need in the time of pressure in the time when the battle was the hottest in the time when I needed a little validation I opened my mouth and I'm proclaiming on this Sunday morning in the 21st century with a world rocking and a reeling with a political system falling apart with a pandemic running wild with a world coming apart at the seams I stand to tell you I can not go back I've opened my mouth and I cannot You see, the devil would like for you to believe that there's a shortcut. The devil would like for you to believe that there's another way to get it done. The devil would like for you to believe that there's another way to get it accomplished. As he stood and looked at Christ in the wilderness, 
And as he began to tell him, if you be the Son of God, turn the stones into bread. And if you be the Son of God, leap from the pinnacle of that temple. And then finally, he said, I tell you what, this is what I want. It's what I've always wanted. If you'll just fall down and worship me, I'll give you, I'll give you the kingdoms of this earth. They'll all be yours if you'll just bow down and worship me. You won't have to worry about all of that Calvary stuff. All of those things that symbolize the cross and the blood from Isaac's offering upon Mount Moriah to all of those beautiful pictures of the tabernacle in the wilderness. Through David's prophecy of him being forsaken and abandoned upon a cross and being slain there, you won't have to do any of that. You can just walk away. I'll give you, I'll give you what you want. I believe the Lord must have looked at him and said you need to go back and read the book again for in Psalms chapter 40 and verse number 7 it's written of me lo I come in the volume of the book it's written of me I delight to do thy will oh my God devil you don't understand I've already opened my mouth I've already said I delight to do thy will and I can't walk away from that I can't go back and because he would not go back there's forgiveness in the room right now there's remission in the house there's redemption in the sanctuary the blood flows freely because Christ said I opened my mouth and said I delight to do thy will and I cannot I cannot so hear me devil hear me on this Sunday morning I've come to proclaim the Lord's been good to me he's been mighty good to me I cannot I cannot hear me now I cannot go back he's kept me he's kept me through storms he's kept me through tempest he's brought me out of the battles of life I've opened my mouth and I cannot go back he's brought me through the valley low he's brought me by the giants that tried to sidetrack me and I cannot I cannot go back he's brought me he's brought me a mighty long way and I cannot I cannot go back they can go back but I cannot go back others can go back but I can't go back I've opened my mouth it doesn't matter the cost it doesn't matter the price I cannot I wish somebody would rear your head back right now and open your mouth to him proclaim it with everything that's on the inside of you right now I cannot I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot go back. Would you stand with me across this building on this Sunday? Would you lift your hands with me right now? You lift your hands to the Lord. I cannot, in a moment of my direst need, I open my mouth 
see, I started one day to follow Jesus. Not caring for worldly fame. And just when it seemed that I couldn't make it, my head hung down in shame. Though the world all around me was offering me its glitter, trying to dim my view. I proclaimed, I started out, and I'm going to finish this race. I have begun. Though rough the road, steep the climb, still I'm going right on. Though the river around me may seem so deep, till all hope is gone. Though the clouds hang low and thunder may roll, still I'm pressing on for I started out and I'm going to finish this race that I have begun. I've opened my mouth and I cannot go back. I'm trying to reach for somebody on this Sunday morning. I'm trying to reach for somebody's in this building right now. I'm trying to reach for a young man, a young lady, a mom and a dad in this house right now. The devil's trying to sidetrack you. He's trying to turn you aside. He's trying to get you to give up. He's trying to get you to throw in the towel. But I would remind you of a youth camp vow. I would remind you of an altar vow. I would remind you of a Sunday night vow. I would remind you of a revival vow. You open your mouth. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot cannot. Somebody needs to get a little tenacity in your spirit on this Sunday morning. I cannot. I cannot go back. Will you throw your hands in the air with me? Come on, somebody reach up to him. You have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma. We are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue, Norman, Oklahoma, 73071. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. You can call us at 405-329-1285 or email us at info at awcnorman.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.